0: Dr. History. And without further ado, here is the man. The man is back. Good morning. Good morning, Zeb. It is good to be back. It's good to have you. Beautiful day out there today. By the way, let's thank, because he did a wonderful job, Gary Shortman. Gary did great. I listened to the one show, and uh, he, he does well. I appreciate him. Oh, Gary is a vast, he's a plethora of knowledge. And that's a big word. Yes, it is. In other words, he knows a bunch. (laughs) He knows
1: a lot. Yeah. (laughs) What are we going to talk about today? Well, you know, when I was in China uh, visiting with the students over there, one of the questions that kept coming up over and over was, uh, what were the Indians like and what are they like now? And they were just very, very interested in the Indian culture.
0: Did they have the conception in their mind's eye that it was Hollywood? Yes, that it was all the Indians are bad and
1: they're always uh, attacking and killing and yeah. so you know I had to explain to them that many times uh, in the Old West the Indians helped those who were starving right. uh, needed water uh, needed help uh, they'd take guys that were injured and keep them through the winter and get them uh, back in shape
0: absolutely so okay anyway
1: uh, before the West could be settled it had to be won of course that's what Theodore Roosevelt said and throughout the greater part of the century hostile Indians, uh, the descendants of the original occupants of this country, obviously, uh, provided an obstacle, and that's about the only way to put it, an obstacle to winning the American West beyond the Mississippi River. Mm -hmm. So there were many desperate Indian tribes uh, that made their last stands to preserve their traditional hunting grounds uh, from the the trappers, the immigrants, the miners, the cattlemen, the farmers. And there are many valiant white people, that both soldiers and civilians, that laid down their lives in the struggle uh, to transform an undeveloped, if you want to call it that, Indian country, into a safe place. So whether that was good or bad...
0: You know, know, when you stop and think about it, Ken, let me ask you this. Uh, There had to be knowledge that if there was a push westward, like go west, young man, Horace Greeley in that attitude, that there were going to be conflicts. The government had to know there were going to be conflicts because the Indians and their tribal lands and their hunting grounds and everything, it almost seems like they didn't plan for the inevitable, did they? Well, and one of the things that, that hits me pretty
1: hard is the, communica- the lack of communication between the, the different Indian tribes and the government.
0: Amen. Yeah, I agree with that. And
1: yeah. time after time, uh, treaties were made in one area, but not in another area. Right. And so you had conflict. But, you know, history's recorded no more dramatic conflicts than the battles which were fought between the red men and the white men on the plains in the deserts, the mountains uh, during the American West. And, uh, Of course, the theater of the warfare was a huge area, if you think about this, from Minnesota uh, south to the Pacific coast to the Canadian border to the, uh, you know, Mexico. It was a huge area that we were, I guess, uh, battling.
0: Yeah, we were talking about some major tribes that had land control down in the southwest, the Apaches and the Comanches, and up here in our country, of course, the, uh, the Shoshone-Bannock and uh, the Sioux and others. I mean, right. major, major tribes. Right,
1: uh, and you get up there to the Nez Perce. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. so, but throughout this region, the overrunning of the Indian lands by the white men kind of proved a fundamental cause of irritation and alarm to the Indians because it had always been open warfare, just open, you know. And a minor incident could sometimes uh, trigger a costly Indian war. And I'll I'll give you an example. Uh, Right over here, just not very far from us, is the Camas Prairie. Right. Okay, uh, Chief Buffalo Horn signed a treaty, and the governor of the of the area uh, of Idaho said, "Now make sure they get a good area." And they did. They had a huge area through the Camas Prairie, through Fairfield, over towards uh, American Falls. But when the guy wrote it down on the paper, he wrote Kansas Prairie.
0: You got to be kidding me!
1: And so. You know, common sense would say, okay, you get this part, and then you get this part over in Kansas? Yeah. Well, Chief Buffalo Horn said, no, that's not the way it happened. So they're actually, uh, he gathered a bunch of braves together, and they started fighting. And uh, unfortunately, he was killed, and then they resolved the problem.
0: Why wasn't there communication again because of a total misprint and ineptitude shown by the people that drew up the treaty?
1: You know, that's a good question. I've always wondered, you know, why didn't somebody catch that before it became bad? Amen. So, but anyway, long before the Western Indian country was invaded by the American trappers and settlers, uh, this area had been a battleground for warring Indian tribes. Now, these intertribal wars, they were larger, and, you know, the larger and stronger tribes expelled the smaller and the weaker tribes. Were they fighting over real estate, too, amongst themselves? I wouldn't say so much real estate as goods. I see. Horses and slaves. I see. see. So, but, you know, the mobile nomadic tribes preyed upon the farming Indians who lived a more sedentary life. Yeah. And so they could go in, they knew where they were, and, and just attack. But generations of these intertribal feuds prevented the many Indian tribes of the West from getting together to defend their homeland against the white intruders. Uh, in, in fact, among tribes themselves, you had splinter groups that wanted to f- uh, have peace and others that wanted to fight.
0: Well, we saw that uh, down in the Southwest with the Apaches. Yeah, yeah and even the Nez Perce. Some yeah, wanted to
1: fight yeah. and some didn't. But these long-standing conflicts between the neighboring tribes actually helped the white people uh, with the war against the Indians. So. And,
0: and there's another aspect to this, and then I've got to do a quick commercial. The gullibility and the lack of knowledge of the white settlers moving into their area, the Indian area, and expecting that there wouldn't be any trouble. I mean, hey, come
1: right. on. It's like moving into my backyard and me saying, <laughs> okay, yeah. have at it. Yeah.
0: You know. Uh, let's do a quick commercial and say thanks again to Zach and the rest of the crew at Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Like I mentioned a moment ago, all your lumber needs, all your shingles, all your windows. Oh, and by the way, they've got the tartar farm and ranch gates and panels. Absolutely the best. What you need to do is stop in and check out all the inventory for you at Minicash Sales, 1321 East Main Street in Burley. Zach and the rest of the people, nice people serving you. Give them a call eight seven eight two oh nine one.
1: Well as I mentioned, sometimes their inter-battles really was the cause of their downfall. For example, in the Sioux Wars, members of the Pawnee, Crow, and Shoshone tribes, Shoshone, uh, which had long suffered from the aggression of the mighty Sioux, joined the white people in their effort to pacify a common enemy. And later in the Southwest, the friendly Apache scouts helped the army to seek out uh, the hostile Apache bands. So. But Indian warfare had been a major deterrent to the expansion, you know, going west for the American colonies. But it had been said that it took a 100 years of forest felling and Indian fighting for white settlers to move the first 100 miles inland from the Atlantic. So in the Midwest, under the leadership of some of these great chiefs like uh, Pontiac, Tecumseh, Blackhawk, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. all these guys, you know, the Indians delayed, uh, but they could not stop this movement westward. No. It's just, it was no. impossible. So, anyway, you know, a small skirmishing evolving involving a few members of the Lewis and Clark expedition actually produced the first casualty in the Indian Wars of the West in 1806. I didn't know that. They almost didn't get any farther because, uh, yeah, there was an Indian that uh, had been killed. He'd been trying to steal a horse or something, and. uh, he was killed, and that was almost the end of the Lewis and Clark expedition. And their
0: culture, they basically thought if they took something and got away with it, they were kind of honored, weren't right, they? Right,
1: exactly. That was yeah. part of their culture. Yeah. So, anyway, um, uh, shortly thereafter, you know, the American beaver trappers fanned the flames uh, uh, by trespassing upon the lands of the Blackfeet Indians and taking beaver from their streams. Uh, and throughout the period of the Rocky Mountain fur trade, the Blackfeet and the Gross Venture Allies fought many a small scale battle against these trappers. And we've talked about some of the, you know, trapping uh, eight to ten or a dozen trappers and You you know, most of the time taking them out.
0: Yeah. So I think a point that needs to be made there, though, Ken, and you'd agree with me, is that in any civilization, any improvement or march to increase civilization, somebody had to give. Right. And you were going against people that had traditions that went back hundreds and hundreds
1: of years. Yep. But, anyway, it was not until the decline of the fur trade in the early 1840s did the American settlers become a major source of irritation to the Western Indians uh, in Texas. Uh, the Comanches uh, met the unfortunately the six shoot Shooter, Toton, Texas Rangers, and then farther north, the wagon trains bound uh, for Oregon and California and Utah, they killed and frightened a lot of the game uh, in the plains, which was plentiful before that. In fact, I was just reading uh, a section out of another book about a, uh, the bison hunters yeah. and how they would uh, set up, sit down, and kill maybe 60 or 100 buffalo In one sitting and thousands and thousands of buffalo, which was, of course, the Indian source for food and and, and leather. So anyway, uh, when the government established forts at strategic points along the overland trails uh, throughout Indian country, uh, the army inherited the, the wrath of these Indians, which, again, you can't blame them. I mean, it was their land, you know. Yep. So the invasion of Indian lands by the white farmers, the miners, uh, well, this obviously caused more uh, bloodshed and more Indian wars uh, into Ida- Nevada and Utah and Washington. And you know, the settlers organized volunteer forces to fight the Indians, but the army continued to really have the major responsibility. But occasionally, you'd have a like a, a, a group of men that would get together, and uh, for example, over by Massacre Rocks, they had been. attacked and as the Indians left there's a group of them decided hey let's go back and get our horses so The Indians didn't expect this, but they followed the Indians and were actually able to get their horses back.
0: What about this immediate area right here on the flats of the Magic Valley, if you will? Burley, Rupert, uh, Twin Falls, Jerome. Were there Indian tribes or battles here in the Magic Valley, per se? You know, I don't know that there was no major Indian battle that I know of. There were
1: conflicts. There were, you know, killings here and there, but nothing of a major that I've found. I see. But I'd love to find out if somebody knows something about that. But uh, anyway, the decade of the 1860s, uh, you know, a lot of treaties with the Western tribes under the terms of which the Indians, norm- they usually agreed to give part of their land. And limit their own activities to the reservation. Well, many times the the uh, 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 tribes ended up with smaller and smaller portions of the land, right. the re- and unfortunately, the reservations were a lot of times nothing but the desert. You mm-hmm. know, they didn't have the forests and the uh, where they had been uh, to fight and to hunt and uh, have the beauty of the mountains. You know. And then during the decade of the 70s, the Army fought the Sioux, the Cheyenne, the Arapahos, the Kiowas, the Comanches, and that was out on the Great Plains. And the Apaches in the southwest, the Modocs, the Nez Perce, the Bannocks. And it was not until the middle 80s did the last diehard Apache hostiles finally surrender.
0: I'm going to ask you a question. I don't mean to put you on the spot. But when you talk about the Modocs in California, and you talk about the Apaches, and you talk about the Comanches or whatever, how did the various tribes ascertain their names? Okay, you just
1: hit me with a good one. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea because, you know, I was just up in Coeur and there was a tribe of Coeur Indians. Yeah, right, right. And, uh... Uh, I remember reading in one of my books that there was over 500 different Indian tribes and nations. And yeah,
0: and I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but it's a question that all of a sudden just hit me, whether it's uh, back in Wisconsin, the Winnebago's or whatever. And I'm yeah, not talking the about the, RV, the, the Seminoles, et cetera. Where did the derivation of the name come from? You know, that is a great question, and I would like to know that because so many things
1: Uh, in our country are named after those Indian tribes absolutely so I'll have to look into that one now. Okay. <laughs> so, but anyway, surely there was no opposing forces that ever differed more radically than did the army of the United States and the hostile Indians of the West. Uh, soldiers were professional military men. They'd studied about great battles, uh, studying at West Point, and uh, yet in the leaders of the Indians, they encountered, uh, they were stubborn, they were intelligent men who, uh, they were not impressed by the white officers' military reputations. And uh, as we well know, There were a lot of cocky young officers uh, eager to earn a reputation, uh, General Custer, perhaps. Uh, So, understandably, the leadership and the fighting qualities of the, if you want to call it the illiterate uh, Indians, uh, and they made mistakes. But on the other hand, uh, we've talked before that uh, some of the uh, American cavalry thought that some of these Indians had been to Europe and studied warfare, Uh, in Europe because they were such good
0: leaders Mm -hmm. uh, among their tribes. I I don't want to give credit to the wrong person, but it was some general back in the 1870s uh, that was over Custer that had made a statement, and I thought he had said something like, uh, many of the Indian leaders acted like they'd studied under Attila the Hun.
1: Yeah, yeah, because they definitely had their ways and their techniques and their methods of fighting the soldiers. Yeah. So... But uh, uh, the Indian warrior, uh, you know, he's a worthy foe, and what the Indian lacked in formal schooling, he made up in cunning and courage and combat experience and, of course, knowledge of the country. Oh, yeah, That was a huge thing because they knew where they could go to find water, uh, to hunt, and things like that. So, but... uh, Anyway, uh, the Indian was an expert in luring the unsuspecting animals, uh, like uh, cattle and, or I mean uh, elk and and deer, and so obviously they were good at uh, hiding their movements from the army. So. Anyway, uh, Jim Bridger said uh, this. He said, where there ain't no engines, you'll find them the thickest. (laughs) (laughs) And, again, you think about the stealth, uh, uh, you know, to sneak up on a buffalo or an elk, you know. And the Indians gained uh, knowledge of tactics in small-scale hit-and-run, guerrilla-type fighting. uh, And they'd harass the enemies. They'd keep them off balance. Uh, As a horseman, the Indian of the plains in the Northwest. They were the best. Absolutely. I mean, I uh, you know you see pictures of them riding full speed with a bone arrow shooting under under the neck of the horse. And I could I
0: couldn't begin to stay on. I think the Comanches were known as the most skilled horsemen of all time. Yeah, they and absolutely no no saddles. You yeah, know, and usually just
1: yeah. a uh, somewhat of a I wouldn't know if you'd even call it a bridle.
0: Yeah, yeah. kind of a rope. Uh, uh, I want to say halter and kind of a mechanical hackamore type thing combined. Yeah, yeah, so.
1: But, you know, a lot has been written about the horrors of Indian warfare and torturing prisoners and mutilating the dead. But these cruelties did not originate during the wars with the whites. Long before the white settlers and soldiers overran the Western uh, uh, Indians, uh, the warriors uh, disfigured uh, male prisoners. They scalped, and they did things long before uh, to themselves, to other Indians. Yeah, that's right. So... But, uh, you know, uh, war is a savage thing, and, you know, uh, unfortunately, the, uh, you know, and you and I have talked to this before, that the Indians really got the short end of the stick on many, uh, many occasions, and um, so, but, you know, they actually used some Indian tactics in World War II, uh, as far as uh, guerrilla-type stuff and the art of warfare, uh, they had runners that would go back and forth because for communication.
0: Well, wasn't it uh, thanks to the Navajo Indian tribe that they used that language, the Navajo language, to really disrupt right. any spying on the American forces? Yeah, and General
1: Douglas MacArthur, he actually at one time paid tribute to the Indian as one of the most efficient fighting men right. in, in, the, in the service. So they've come a long ways, and... and uh,
0: have they really you know when you think about it um, i've got a lot of friends that are of uh, indian descent and uh, god bless them uh, but a lot of them have gone on to be expert uh, businessmen and leaders of companies etc and then others have gone the way of just the handout and it's a shame
1: well it is and and really you don't have to look much farther to see the white people as well
0: absolutely feed, a welfare feed,
1: society feeding on that same from that same trough
0: yep absolutely so
1: but that's this Kind of a summary of kind of the Indian warfare again, in the we, Old West.
0: We've only got a couple of minutes left here. And, again, I apologize. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but it just hit me all of a sudden. Where did the names of the tribes come from? And you ought to look at that and uh, give us that information next week. I mean like uh, Nez Perce, uh, Comanche, Apache, Seminole, etc. I'd like to know the derivation of those names.
1: Okay. Now, just
0: going by memory,
1: it seemed to me there was something about the Nez Perce that yeah. had to do with a piercing of the nose.
0: I... Think you're right. Some, yeah. Something yeah. about
1: that. That. Uh,
0: but as far as the Comanche, now the number one Indian leader for the Comanches down in Texas started with a Q, and I can't think of his name right now. And we've uh, talked about him Parker on this uh, Quana Parker. Quana Parker. Quana Parker. There yeah. you go. Thank you very much. Now another thing I just remember. He was schooled in white man schools, wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. But some
1: of them actually, as I recall, the way they had their hair fixed, uh-huh. there was a, a name for that. Uh I want to say the bannock, it was from something called Ban- Banff or oh, something like that, okay. the way they had their hair
0: really? uh, fixed. What about when they got to be our age and there wasn't much hair to fix? <laughs> That's when you stayed in camp. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in your teepee! That's right. Okay. Well, you did it again. Uh, any final thoughts on this program? Nope, I think we've covered it. <laughs> I think you did a wonderful job. And you said you had a lot of questions from uh, the people and the students over in China.
1: Yeah, they uh, again, they wanted to know what was Indian like uh, life like now. And I explained to them that the, you know, they go to school, they go to colleges, they have every opportunity that everybody else has as far as uh, uh, universities, colleges, uh, uh, professions. And you see them in all, all of these professions.
0: Absolutely.